Welcome home. Good to see all of you today. Thank you for joining us. We are, uh, we are continuing our series today, Habits. They're leading us somewhere. And the, the, the thread that's kind of running through all of this and through Kyle's messages is that the habits that we develop today are going to be part of the legacy that we leave tomorrow. So what does that tell us about the habits that we need to do today? All right, so they're, they're leading us somewhere. They're not isolated. They're not, they're not apart from everything, you know, what happens today. Our, our culture seems like, that, you know, they always say, you know, just live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Well, no, the things you do today have an effect and an impact on tomorrow. So our habits are leading us somewhere. And uh, Kyle began this series by talking about how the number one habit that we have to develop in our lives, if we want to leave a positive a good, godly legacy for those who come behind us, then the number one habit we have to develop is the habit of putting God first in our lives, in every area of our lives. And so today we come to the, to the third uh, message in this series, and we're talking about trading habits. And so I want to ask you a question today. Do you think it's possible to trade a red paper clip for a two-story house like that? Is that a trade you would want to try to make or be willing to make? Well, it actually happened. Let me tell you the story. Back in 2005, there was a guy named Kyle McDonald, and uh, he was, I guess, maybe living in an apartment or something and decided he wanted to own a house, uh, but he had two problems. He didn't have any money, and he didn't have a job. And so, you know, most of us do that boring, lame stuff, like go out and get a job and save the money and and buy the house. But he said, no, I don't want to do anything boring and lame like that. I wonder if I could trade what little I have for a house. And so he was sitting at his desk, and he was at his computer, and he saw a red paperclip sitting on his desk. And so he went to Craigslist, which is a website where you can buy and sell and trade stuff, and he put this little red paperclip on Craigslist. And he found someone who would trade with him. Can you believe that? He found someone who traded him, not a house, but a fish-shaped pen. So that makes perfect sense how he ended up at the house, right? Okay, let me explain. Here's what happened. This took place over the course of a whole year, okay? So he trades this red paper clip for a fish-shaped pen. And then he traded the pen for a hand-sculpted doorknob. And then the doorknob for a camp stove, the camp stove for a generator, the generator for an empty beer keg and a neon Budweiser sign. And then he traded those things for a snowmobile. And then he traded the snowmobile for a two-person trip to British Columbia. And then he traded one of those spots for a box truck. And then the box truck for a recording contract. Are you staying with me here? And then the recording contract for a year's rent. And then he traded the year's rent for an afternoon with Alice Cooper, the lead singer of the band Kiss. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who might stop there. Some of you might. So then he traded the afternoon with Alice Cooper for a Kiss snow globe of all things. Which he then traded, it doesn't get any more random than this, he traded the snow globe to the actor Corbin Burnson, some of you probably don't even know who that is, who apparently loves snow globes, and so he traded Corbin Burnson this kiss snow globe for a part in one of his upcoming movies. And then one year and 14 trades later, a town in Canada... 
offered this guy this house in exchange for the opportunity for someone in their town to have a part in the movie. So it took a one year and it took 14 trades, but this dude traded a red paper clip for a stinking house. How does that happen? This guy was a master trader, wasn't he? I mean, some of those trades, you're probably thinking, who would do that? Who would, who would trade that? But this guy apparently convinced some people along the way, hey, trade me this for this. He was a master trader. Is a master trader, I guess. Hey, I wonder if he gives stock tips. Actually, that's, that just occurred to me. I don't know. You know who else is a master trader, though? God. God. Throughout the Bible and throughout our lives, God offers to make certain trades with us. And in the context of this sermon series, God says to us, you know what? If you will give me your bad habits, I will give you better habits that will be so much better than the old ones. They will leave you thinking, who makes a trade like that? But you know why God makes those trades with us? Because he loves us. Because he loves us and he wants what's best for us and he wants us to have the best life that we can possibly have. And a lot of times in order to have the best life that we can possibly have, we have to be willing to let go of some habits and some things in our lives and say, God, here, take these habits. And God says, I'm going to give you new ones. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about a man named Saul. And uh, we encounter Saul in the New Testament in the, books of, in the book of Acts chapter 7. Go back and read, read the story later. But basically what happens is uh, Saul had made it his mission in life to destroy the church. I mean, this was a bad dude. He oversaw the, the, mar- the, the murder of the first Christian martyr. And he made it his passion in life, his, his purpose in life to destroy the church. He would literally go and he would drag Christians out of their homes and out of churches. He'd have them thrown into prison. He would sometimes have them executed. That was his life's mission. But what happened was, literally on his way on one of these missions, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and Jesus changed his life. And where we find Saul, who was then referred to as Paul, where we find him at the end of the book of Acts, he is in, he's in jail, he's on house arrest, waiting trial for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he's telling everybody he encounters about Jesus. So you talk about trading habits. This guy went from being the church's greatest enemy to the church's greatest champion because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. So this guy Saul or Paul knows a little something about trading habits, doesn't he? And it's important to know that because as you, as you go through the New Testament, Paul wrote these letters to churches and individuals, and a lot of the New Testament is made up of some of these letters. And one of those letters is Colossians chapter 3. If you want to find that in your Bible or your Bible app, I'm just going to kind of summarize and, and highlight what he says here. But remember, he's talking about trading habits. And in this letter to the Colossians, in Colossians 3, he gives us this great metaphor to help us understand trading our habits. And here's, here's what he says. In chapter 3, he says, Rid yourselves of all such things as these, sexual immorality, 
impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, prejudice in verse 11. He says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Now, we need to understand that that phrase, since you have put away. Some translations read, uh, since you have stripped off. The language that he's using there is the language of, of clothing. And he's comparing the bad habits that we have and all these things that he lists and, and other things. He's comparing those bad habits to, to some, some nasty, dirty, old, torn, stained clothes. And he says, take those off. Take those off. Now, I know some of us might look at those things and say, man, I'm glad I don't struggle with any of that. I mean, that's some bad stuff that he lists up there. I'm glad I'm not that bad. Look at that first phrase that's highlighted. What does that say? Rid yourselves of all what? Such things. You know what that phrase means? That phrase means that this isn't intended to be an exhaustive list. These are just examples. It's kind of like Paul is saying, you know what, here's some examples of old habits, of old clothes that, that you're wearing. And, but, but you know what, there's probably other things. Maybe you don't see yourself in any of those things, but there are other things in your life probably. In fact, I think we can safely say that every person in this room has something, has some kind of bad habit, some habit that doesn't belong there. And so maybe today Paul would say, you know what, take off your looking down your nose at other people because you think you're better than them, close. Maybe he would say, take off your talking to your loved ones like dirt, close. Take off your having a temper tantrum because you didn't get your way, close. Take off your selfishly and subtly manipulating people to get your way clothes. Take off your gossiping clothes. Take off your refusal to forgive those who hurt you clothes. Take off your complaining when things don't go your way clothes. Take off your critical and negative spirit clothes. He says, take them off. Take those dirty, old, nasty rags off. You know why? Because they don't fit you anymore They don't fit you. They don't look good on you anymore. Maybe there was a time in your life when those things kind of fit you and fit who you are, and maybe they looked good on you at one time, but they don't look good on you anymore because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a follower of the holy God of all creation who created you and loves you, and you don't look good in that stuff anymore. Not too long ago, uh, we were at the store, we were at a, a clothing store, we were looking for clothes for one of the boys, I think, and um, I, I passed the clearance rack, that's my favorite place to shop is the clearance rack, does anybody else love the clearance rack? Of course you do. And so um, we passed this clearance rack of men's clothing, and I, and I saw it kind of stood out to me, and so I, I grabbed it, and, and I, 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 took it, I took it to Sarah, and I showed her the shirt, I kind of held it up to myself, and so what do you think? Guys, you can tell, right? I mean, you just know. You can tell. 
And she just kind of looked at it, and I looked at the shirt again, and I held it up against myself again, and I looked at her face again, and something about the look on her face made me say, this would kind of make me look like a 43-year-old trying to look 20, wouldn't it? And she said, that's exactly what that shirt looks like. <laughs> Maybe 20 years ago, I would have looked good. Maybe that shirt would have looked good. When my, when my abdominal section was a little bit different shape, maybe it would have looked good on me. When I wasn't bald with gray highlights on the side coming in, maybe then that shirt would have looked good on me. But it, it wouldn't look good on me now. Maybe there was a time in your life when certain habits just fit who you were. But Paul says if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not that person anymore, and those things don't look good on you anymore. And so Paul says, take those dirty, nasty, stained clothes off and get rid of them. Take those bad habits off because they don't belong on you anymore. They don't look good on you anymore. But now we have a problem, don't we? Because if you take the clothes off, you better put some more clothes on, folks. Ain't nobody want to see that, I'm sorry to tell you. So Paul goes on. He says, there's some better clothes. There are some nicer clothes. Clothes that look better on you. He says, There's some new habits that God wants to instill in your life. And he goes on in verse 12, and he says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he what? That he loves. That's our our motivation for everything we do, folks. We don't trade in our bad habits for, for, for good ones, our old habits for new ones. We don't do that out of some sense of duty to God. We don't do it so that we can somehow earn God's love, which we can never do because of our sin. No, we do it because he loves us. And it's a response to his love. He says, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility, with gentle and patience Gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. You know what that phrase means? That means cut each other some slack for crying out loud. I bet you every person in this room, starting with me, could stand to cut our loved ones a little more slack. Paul says cut each other some slack. Make that a new habit. Forgive anyone who offends you. Clothe yourselves with love and peace and thankfulness. Paul says these are the new habits that God wants to instill in you. In fact, just to depart from the clothing metaphor a little bit, he says this. God wants to, he wants to empty you of these things on the left, but he wants to fill you with these things on the right. God doesn't want to just take your old habits. He wants to give you new ones. 
He doesn't want to just take your old clothes. He wants to give you new clothes. You know why? Because God's plan of salvation is not just to save us from hell. That is a big, important part of his plan of salvation, and I'm thankful for it. But that's not the only part of it. He also wants to transform us into the image of Christ. And that includes taking our our old, unhealthy, selfish, sometimes sinful habits and trading them out for selfless, godly, loving, holy habits. It involves taking our old ratty clothes that, that don't belong in the closet of a child of the king of the universe and replacing them with clothes that are fitting for a people who are created and deeply loved by God. And just in case there's somebody sitting here thinking today, or watching online and thinking today, you don't know how bad my habits are, Adam. They're pretty bad. And I've tried for a long time to get rid of them. I'm not sure even God can help me with these habits. In case there's anybody sitting here thinking that today, there's a reason I started with Paul's story. Remember, he was the church's greatest enemy of that day. His purpose was to destroy the church. And so unless your habits are worse than that, maybe you have some that in your mind are just as bad, but unless you have habits that are worse than that, then don't talk to me about what God can't do in your life. If he can transform Paul the way that he did, then he can transform you. In fact, if he can speak the universe into existence, then he can transform you. So God wants us to to give him our old habits, habits that don't belong on us anymore. And he wants to give us new ones. And my hope this morning is to, to challenge you and inspire you. If, you. if you are struggling with something right now, maybe it's not one of those big things that, that he listed in, in his writing. Maybe it's something that, that we would consider maybe something smaller, but is still a bad habit that doesn't belong in our lives. Maybe it is gossip. Maybe it is just, just talking to your family like they're dirt. It could be any number of things. I don't know. But I hope that I'm, I'm challenging you and inspiring you that God can help you through that. But I don't just want to challenge and inspire you this morning. I want to give you some practical stuff to take with you too. In fact, at the very end of that passage, Paul sort of lays the foundation for the how. How do we, how do we break these habits? How do we trade in our old habits for new ones? He says this at the end of that passage. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Some versions read, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. What that means is, do it with Jesus' signature on it. Your actions, the words that you speak, even the thoughts that you think, can you write Jesus' signature on it when you're done? That's what it means to do it in the name of of Jesus or to do it as a representative of Jesus. And so he says, whatever you do, whatever you say, do it with Jesus' signature on it. And so the first step in trading in our our, our old habits for new ones is we've got to adopt that mindset. We've got to say, I want everything that I say and do and think to have Jesus' signature on it. And that becomes the foundation for everything else. 
But then here are some other things that the Bible tells us that can help us. First of all, God can help. God can help. Paul writes in Philippians 4, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything. It doesn't say I can do everything except break this one habit in my life. No, it says I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. No exceptions. You know, as I've watched my boys grow up, when they were younger especially, you know, there were always things that I would witness them trying to do that they just didn't have the ability to do yet. They weren't strong enough, or they didn't have the skills yet, or they just didn't have the know-how yet, and they would try to do those things, and they would fail, and they would fail, and, and what they needed so often, they needed their dad to come and say, here, buddy, let me do this for you. Sometimes in life, we struggle with habits, and we struggle with things that, that we just can't do. And that's a hard thing for us to admit. It's a hard thing for men to admit. I think in our culture, increasingly, it's a hard thing for women to admit. But there are some things in life that we cannot do in our own strength. That's the bad news. The good news is, nothing is impossible with God. And God says, I will give you my strength. I will do for you what you can't do for yourself. I've got a friend back in Missouri. I I pastored for several years. He's a recovering alcoholic. He was in Vietnam. And that guy, if I've heard him say this once, I've heard him say it probably a hundred times. God has done for me what I cannot do for myself. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You have a habit in your life that you just can't seem to lick? Acknowledge that you can't do it on your own. But God can do it through you. God can help. Second thing is watch your thoughts. Paul says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The language he uses there in the Greek, it's, it's military kind of language. Be militant about your thoughts. Be militant about the things that you think about. Now, I know we can't always help the thoughts that sort of pop into our minds, right? Sometimes they just pop there from nowhere, seemingly. But you, what you can control is whether you choose to dwell on those thoughts or not. Are you having trouble? Do you have a bad habit of not forgiving someone? Do you have a bad habit of of holding grudges against people? Watch your thoughts. If you sit there replaying the injury in your mind over and over and over, or replaying what you would like to do to them because of what they did to you, if you find yourself thinking about that over and replaying that over and over in your mind, take those thoughts captive. If your bad habit is just complaining about things all the time and having a critical spirit and nothing is ever right, watch your thoughts. Do you let those thoughts about how nothing is right in your life and nothing is ever good enough in your life, do you let those thoughts just rattle around in your head over and over and over? Take those thoughts captive. How do you do do that? How do you take your thoughts captive? Well, sometimes I think it's a matter of distraction. When you find yourself going down those roads mentally, find a way to distract yourself. Read scripture. Pray. 
Find some other activity to do. But don't keep letting those thoughts roll around in your head over and over and over because that's just going to feed that habit. In fact, think about this. We're talking about habits and legacy and all that. Think about, here's the full equation of that, okay? Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Habits lead to lifestyle. And your lifestyle leads to your legacy. Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Habits lead to lifestyle. Lifestyle leads to, leads to legacy. And, and that equation starts with the things you allow to roll around in your head. Take them captive. Make it to Christ. Third thing is tell somebody. John writes this in chapter 3. He says, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. If there's a habit that you keep secret in your life, if there's a habit that you keep in the darkness, maybe it's stuff you look at online or TV shows or movies you watch. Maybe there's a grudge that you're holding in your heart that nobody knows about. The things that we keep secret are the things that master us. You want to break those habits? Tell somebody you trust. I'm not saying throw it up on Facebook or social media or get up in front of the whole church, but find somebody you trust. And if you're not sure if there's somebody that you can trust, talk to Kyle or myself or one of our pastoral staff. We're not going to talk about it among each other. We're not going to talk about it at board meeting. Hey, you know what, so-and-so? No. Find somebody you can trust and shed some light on it. Tell somebody about it. And that leads to the, to the fourth one, is ask for help. Ask for help. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That's a really hard one for us guys, I think. We don't want to ask for help. And even Americans in general, we're, we're strong and independent, right? We can do things ourselves. I don't need you. God actually created us to need each other, folks. And there are some battles that we cannot win by ourselves. As much as you would like to, as much as you want to think of yourself as a strong, independent person, there are some battles in life that you can't win by yourself. And you need a friend who will sharpen you and provide accountability in your life. That's one thing that that we're... Trying to teach our boys right now as they get older and they're slowly ending up with more electronic devices and moving into social media and all that stuff. We try to tell them, you know what? If you're going to follow Jesus, you should want accountability in your life. Don't look at it as me and your mom trying to look over your shoulder, trying to be all in your business. You should want accountability because accountability helps us, helps us stay sharp and helps us stay on the path that we need to stay on. 
I've got a, a policy that I try to practice as much as I can, and that is to, to never be in a hotel room by myself overnight where there's no accountability for what's on the TV. I just, I just try, to not, I try to never stay in a hotel room by myself. Occasionally, can't get around it, though. And one thing that I started doing several years ago is if I'm in that situation, I'll call up a friend of mine that day or that night, and, and I'll say, hey, will you ask me tomorrow, text me, call me, or if I'm going to see you face-to-face, will you just ask me if I watched anything I shouldn't have watched on the TV last night? And you know the most amazing thing happens? Just by doing that, just knowing that my friend is going to ask me and provide that accountability in my life completely takes the temptation away. Desire's not even there. That's iron, sharpening iron. That's accountability. That's acknowledging that sometimes there are battles in life that we've got to ask help for fighting. So if you want to trade your old habits for new ones, understand that God can help. Understand that you've got to watch your thoughts and discipline your thoughts and the things that you think about and dwell on. Tell somebody about it. Don't keep it secret. And finally, ask for help. Ask for that accountability. And do it all with the mindset that says, I want everything I say and everything I do and everything I think, I want to be able to sign Jesus' name to it. Because it reflects who he is. And he lives in me. Let God take your dirty old clothes. Let him take those dirty, stained, torn clothes that don't even look right on you anymore. Give them to him. Let him give you some new habits. Let him give you some new clothes. So I want to put this list back up here one more time. These two lists that Paul gives us. And again, maybe you don't see yourself up there on that left side. Praise God. But I know because we're all human that every person in this room has some kind of that you need to give to God. And so what I want to ask you to do this morning as we continue to sing, um, we're going to sing a song about how the Holy Spirit, the change that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. And I don't have anything to give you this morning. I don't have any, you know, nothing to put onto a cross or anything like that. I just want you to spend some time with God this morning in prayer. And if that requires you, if you need to come up to the altar and pray, or if you need to just stay where you are but not sing and just, just pray as everybody else sings, you can even kneel where you are. I don't know. Take some time this morning and say, God, will you show me one thing in my life? Just one. Just one. Will you show me one thing in my life? One habit that does not accurately reflect who you are in my life. Say, God, I want to give that to you. Would you replace it?
Would you replace my, my habit of, of just talking to people, my loved ones especially, like dirt? Would you replace that, God, with the habit of kindness? Would you replace my, my habit of not forgiving people? Would you replace that with forgiveness? Would you replace my habit of gossip? Would you replace that, God, with just speaking things that build other people up? What's one thing in your life today, one habit that you're going to choose to give to God? And let him with, replace with whatever he wants to replace it with. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross, not only so we, so we could be forgiven of our sins, but so that we can be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Thank you for being patient with us. God, in these moments as we close this service, we offer ourselves to you. We offer our habits to you. We offer anything in our lives that doesn't reflect who you are. God, would you change us today? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it occurs to me that there may be somebody here today or somebody watching online who, who would say, um, man, Adam, I'm, I don't even really consider myself a follower of Jesus. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I can even wrap my head around what you're saying. I don't even know how to get to the point of what you're saying, talking about trading in old habits for new ones. And I know a lot of people say, well, I can't follow Jesus because I have all these bad habits in my life. Or I can't follow Jesus because I have this one bad habit in my life. Listen, he knows about the habits. And he says to you today... I don't love you less because you have that habit and I wouldn't love you more if you didn't have the habit. Just come to me and bring the habits with you and we'll start working on things together. You don't have to go clean yourself up before you come to me. That's the point. Come to me and I'll clean you up. You don't wash up before you take a shower. And so maybe for you, if that's you, then maybe the the next step for you in this whole business of trading habits, maybe that next step for you is to say, God, I don't know if I understand all this, but I understand there's stuff in my life that you probably consider sin. And I'm going to choose to consider it sin too. And I'm going to choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross for that sin. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life, I may not understand it completely right now, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning what it means to love you and follow you, God, and what it means to be loved by you. So Jesus, I receive, I accept your gift of salvation and forgiveness. And I give you all my bad habits and all my sins and all of those things that that I know don't come from you. I'm going to give all those to you, God, and I'm going to trust you to do what you want in my life. Know today that God loves you just the way you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you that way. So just bring him all your junk. Bring him all your baggage. Bring him all the habits. Bring him with you. 
let him start working this, those things out with you. But come to him today and make that decision today. Father, I pray for anyone in this room right now or anyone watching online who doesn't know you, who does not have a relationship with you. And Father, if one of the walls that has stood between them and you is this idea that, that they've got to They've got to get rid of some habits first. Father, I pray that that wall would come crumbling down today and that they would, that their eyes would be open to the truth, that you invite us to come to you just as we are. And I pray that today would be the day that that person would make a commitment to you and enter into a relationship with you. And that just like Paul, their life would never be the same. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed day.